0: You're listening to Real Estate with Kevin Turner on News Talk for BC. Uh hearing there about the Bell uh, down in uh, Woody Point. If you go to the Bell, make sure you uh, if you like pork, try one of their pork knuckles. I got to tell you, absolutely sensational. I tried one the other day; it was really good. Great spot there, old Bell. Uh, you know, a great amount of property is owned by more than one individual, and this is often referred to as joint ownership. However, there are two different types of joint ownership, and real estate salespeople are often asked the difference, if people are aware of it, between joint tenants and tenants in common. What is the difference? Well, let's clear it up. Kayleigh Whittaker is from My Property Protect, and she joins us. G'day, Kaylee. good morning, and happy new year.
1: Good morning, Kevin. Happy New Year to to you as well.
0: Thank you very much. So what is the difference between the two, joint tenants and tenants in common?
1: Yeah, so essentially with your joint tenancy option, um, obviously you've got to have more than one party, so you've got to have at least two or more. Um, When you're a joint tenant, it means that you're owning the property in equal shares, so you have to own it equally. You can't have one person owning a smaller portion than the other. Um, A key feature of this structure is the right of survivorship. So essentially, this provides that on the death of either party, that tenant share passes automatically to the other person, regardless of what is written into their will. Oh, okay. Um, oh, regardless
0: yeah. of it overrides the will.
1: Definitely, yeah.
0: Oh, okay. Mm. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, I guess that raises a couple of other questions. Just you mentioned there are two people. Can it be more than two?
1: That's correct. So you may have you may have three or four people mm. on the title owning owning equally as joint tenants.
0: Okay, it's a, and that's if so they don't have to define the different well, they don't you wouldn't have to define it if everyone's an, has an equal share that's correct. is that the, is that the difference essentially between joint tenants and tenants in common?
1: Yeah, so tenants in common they can still own equal shares, but they can also own different proportions. so one might own twenty percent and eighty percent, then you might have three parties to the equation, two own twenty five percent, the other fifty percent um, but with them, the will is important because essentially once one party does pass away, their share will go to whoever's dictated in their will. Okay.
0: Um, Okay. So the most common one would be joint tenants, I would imagine.
1: Yeah, especially for those married couples or people in a factor relationship.
0: Mm. Uh, if, If you purchased a property as joint tenants and then at some stage you wanted to change that to tenants in common, is that deemed to be another transaction?
1: yeah it is so um yeah if it, so
0: stamp duty would apply
1: that's correct, oh, okay. yeah, and so yeah. it is cost expense, so we always do you know advise clients you know to be aware upfront um, of what mm. structure you're entering into
0: mm. uh, when when you do a contract on a property in Queensland and um you, you need to be specific about who's going to go on the title because if you if you do change that after you make the contract and then you change the name, uh, like if you're buying it at a different entity, that's also deemed to be a, a, another transaction that can, inc- can incur stamp duty. Is that correct?
1: Exactly right. So if you enter into a contract today with maybe just one buyer and you want to add a second buyer to that contract, um, yeah, you could in- incur double transfer duty. So you would need to enter into what's called a deed of rescission to rescind that existing contract and enter into a whole new contract.
0: Is there a danger period in there? Like if I was the seller mm-hmm. and and the buyer said to me, look, I've got to change this, um, is there a moment in time when that contract will actually fall over?
1: Mm-hmm. So in Queensland, most of the standard um, REOQ or ADL contracts do have a standard five-day business cooling-off period. Um, so you could terminate a contract under a cooling off period, but there is a penalty of 0.25% of the purchase price. However, the other option is you may have the contract subject to finance, um, and perhaps the bank said, you know, we can't give you finance just one person. You need you need that second party. So you may have to terminate the contract. Yeah,
0: that, that's what you can tell. But, but I'm I'm talking here about wanting to change the contract. Um, Before settlement. In other words, um, say, for instance, uh, my name was on it uh, and my wife's name, um, as an example, then we wanted to put one of the kids onto it after we'd actually taken that. So would I have to rescind that original contract?
1: That's correct, yeah. You can only rescind it or terminate it to add that second person. You can always add it, but the risk is your potentially
0: up for, second, uh, for double, sort of, yeah. more stamp duty. So in, in rescinding it, the point I'm, I'm trying to get to here is, uh, is there a point in time when the contract can actually fail, even though it is deemed to be uh, an executable contract? Is there a point in time when, because I'm rescinding it, I've got to enter into another one? Mm,
1: yeah. so the other one would be on similar terms. So say if you, you went unconditional on that first contract before you wanted to add the second party, it would those conditions ah. would be in the second contract and you okay. waive that right. standard cooling
0: off. Yeah, well, that, that's answered my question. Um, mm. Probably got about a minute to go, but are, are there any unusual titles on a contract that um, we probably don't hear about all that often?
1: Yeah, so I suppose the other ways you also own the property is um, sometimes you'll, you'll own it as trustee, so a trust purchase the oh, yeah. property. That's um, t- typically
0: and- a self-managed superannuation fund?
1: Yep, so that's one of the options that you'll have it is, is those self-managed super funds yeah. um, but then just other trusts in general that want to want to acquire property.
0: W- would that be largely in the commercial sphere?
1: Yeah, commercial, but you do also see it a little bit in the residential space as well.
0: Okay, so what what would be the case? Is that purely uh, in, in a self-managed superannuation fund that you'd put it into a trust?
1: Yeah, and also you've got your family discretionary trust as well oh, yeah. um, that will own property um, across... Yeah. Several different properties that they that
0: they're acquiring. Always good to get good advice, and we got it there. Kylie Whitaker is from My Property Protect. Thank you very much for your time, Kelly.
1: Thank you, Kevin. Have All a great day. All
0: best. Yeah, indeed. Uh, we're going to help uh, first home buyers uh, up next in the break. If, um, if you're thinking about getting into property, just how much planning do you have to go and how do you go about it? Who do you talk to? Well, there is a podcast that's been created specifically for you. I'm going to tell you about it. It's called Your First Home Buyer Guide and that's up next. Stay with us. We're talking property. This is 4BC. It is now 27 and a half minutes to nine.